You're very welcome along to the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio. Saturday mornings. Porik, good morning good to morning, you. Good morning, Deirdre. How are you? I am very well. Good. Thank you very much. Good, yeah, good, good, yeah. Yeah. Good, good week. Good week. Or at least as, as good as can be, as the yeah. fellow says. I yeah. think a better week this, this coming week. I see temperatures rising and hopefully the frost will start to abate. Yes. Well, weather-wise, I suppose the week gone by was uh, mixed, to say the very least. A little challenging. <laughs> Actually, I went out. You, you'll appreciate this. I went out to put some of the famous zero on the lawn. Oh, yeah. Uh, one of the evenings now I didn't get around to it as early in the week as I had planned but it was one of it was one of the real hailstony days but I thought oh I said I think that's the end of it now would be fine so I was out anyway with my knapsack sprayer on my back away I go and the next thing is I turned a corner of the house and I looked up and there was this massive black cloud and you could see you know sometimes you can see hailstones within a cloud oh, yeah, yeah, and it yeah. was just you could see the sheet coming see, you and retracted went, did you? So I said, oh, will I get it done in time? Will I get it done in time? So I kept going. I got a little bit of the hailstones, but I got the grass done too. That's the most well, important good. And did it yeah. work? Oh, for much, sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it works within 30 seconds, a minute. Yeah. You turn around and you can it's, see where, you it's know. It's not that great. Now. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can it's see so the colour changing. Yeah, you can, of course. Yeah, so yeah. It's great because you can know what, what bits, you know, if you miss a bit, it's very hard to see when you're applying something, yeah. uh, particularly grass. Um, you know, how, how did I do that better? How did I get it all? So... I will say it's fantastic in that it col- it does change colour quite quickly. Maybe does, not within yeah, a minute, yeah, yeah, but yeah, it does yeah. within five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, you can yeah. definitely see if you've missed Working. spots then yeah, and stuff like yeah. that. And look, if you get a shower of rain within an hour, it'll be perfectly fine. It's still, the well, zero it still did, works. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. seem to be yeah. not working anyway, that's good. for sure. So the lawn yeah. is in good condition. Well, yeah, it's and, on the way. Well. It's on the way. So look, at Easter is just around the mm. corner. And, and two weeks, I think. Yeah, I was trying to count. Was it two or three weeks? It's I think only it's two lovely, weeks. It's away. lovely that Easter is is late this year. Yeah. Sometimes it can creep up on us very very quickly in March. So it's lovely to think that it's it's that little bit later. And we always get the question: Easter colour. Yes. What do you plant? What can you plant now? And and really, we've got two weeks to Easter. So now is a really good time for planting up your window boxes, your containers, your your borders, your beds with a little bit of colour. And there's a lot of plants coming into flower at the moment because the season is that tad bit early. Um, so I'm thinking of, I actually brought you in a lovely dianthus. This is a dianthus called Oscar. It's a little beautiful. dwarf variety. Mm. I can smell it from here. It's got the beautiful scent of clover. Um, you know, the, that really kind of clovery, spicy. The cl- uh, yeah, clove, clove cloves, smell. Cloves, I should say, not clover. <laughs> and um, so that lovely spicy uh, scent. It's lovely in window boxes, hanging baskets, containers, or even planted out into the garden soil. And it will flower the whole summer long. It's starting now in It's a beautiful colour, I will say. It's a nice one. Mm. And they come in different shades. Of, of pinks predominantly this is kind of a pink and red variety and they're quite short and sturdy and they're, they are hardy so they'll tolerate the little bit of cold weather we have at the moment but also plants like winter the, the summer flowering pansies violas are lovely at the moment just starting to flower now um, plants like the uriops it's a beautiful, bright yellow flowering. We, we always associate yellow with, with Easter. And Uriops is a particularly nice plant. It's got daisy-like flowers just starting in flower at the moment. And again, that will flower right through till September. So it's a plant that just keeps on giving right through the, the spring and mm-hmm. summer period. Osteosperms are just beginning to show a little bit of colour at the moment now. So any of those hardier plants, they can be put out of doors now. And over the next two weeks, they are going to increase in flower and they should look stunning for for the Easter period. So really now is the time, I suppose that's the message if you want to do up your window box, your containers a little bit of colour, specifically for Easter period, that late April, May sort of period, now is the 
time to plant them. Lovely plant called Nemesia, which will be coming into flower very quickly, um, very shortly. That's quite nice as well. It's just in bud at the moment uh, and that'll give co- good colour for Easter. So any of those, the, the summer flowering pansies, the violas, the uriops, the dianthus in many different colours, um, the osteospernums, Nemesia, those sort of plants, you'll find them in your local garden centre at the moment. They're all frost hardy. They can be planted out. There's no risk with them. Avoid planting any of the summer bedding. I see some of it creeping into stores at the moment. Things like begonias and geraniums and French marigolds. Make sure you keep those indoors at the moment. Um, so they're fine to plant up in, in tubs mm. and containers, but they need to be kept frost. frost uh, so stick them in your greenhouse or tunnel mm. or put them into a sheltered spot. So really, that's, that's the piece of advice just for a, a little bit of... Um, Easter colour, I suppose, and early, late spring, early summer yeah, colour. Yeah, I suppose some gardens are probably still benefiting from, uh, you know, the milder temperatures we had maybe just towards the end of the winter, particularly there in January. So you do have, there are lots of nice, um, well, the daffodils are kind of gone at this stage, but lots of lovely tulips and stuff. There are indeed, yeah, yeah and many shrubs are flowering really well. The plant, shrubs like forsythia, that lovely bright yellow flowering plant. Cherries, of course, are covered in, in flowers this year. And it is going to be a year of fantastic spring colour. So magnolias are flowering really yes. well. Camellias have given a great performance rhododendrons azaleas they will flower uh, again at the end of april early may so that's the time of year to to and it's a good time of year actually for planting them and it's a lovely time if you want you'll see a particular cherry maybe something like the lovely charité which is that double white flower now is the time to go into your local garden centre and get it because it, it will be in flower as well. And same when selecting a magnolia or a camellia. It's lovely to get them at this time of year. Same applies to roses in the summertime. Perch them in the summertime because obviously you can smell the rose. You can see what the shape of the flower is going to be like and whether you like it. So it's a good time to select plants that are that are in flower. But it, it's been a great, certainly a great start to the spring. Yes. Um, the, the, the plants, the dianthus, the uriops uh, that you mentioned there, the nemesia, are they um, just single year plants? only or no, do they come no, back? Yeah, some are perennial. So the dianthus is a perennial. The, the uriops is one of those that is a perennial, but it's, it's a tender perennial. So what I do with it in my own garden is I just take cuttings from it take cuttings in September, the overwinter the, the root is easy as a geranium and I treat them a little bit like that. So I leave them out. Now they survive this winter because the winter has been so mild, mild yeah. and they're actually flowering already, those that have been left outdoors, which is very early. Um, so in a year where we get a mild winter they come through no problem but in a winter where we get heavy frost you can often lose them so it's a good idea with uriops just to take some cuttings from them um so so yeah but there's lots of good perennials remember the the um granny's bonnet i brought oh, into last week yes, the Aquilegia, that's a perennial so there's lots of early flowering perennials like obrish and arabus um that are in available in garden centers at the moment that come back year after year so look for those kind of cottage garden or rockery plants they're very hardy and easy to grow Great. Now we're going to look at uh, sowing some seed as well, well it's also, I think. Yeah, it's also the time of year for sowing for sowing seed and the temperatures at the moment are just perfect for the sowing, particularly of vegetable seeds. And I picked a couple of varieties that we haven't mentioned before. Okay. So starting with chicory, there's okay. a lovely a lovely vegetable to grow. Um, we don't grow enough of chicory. It's that got comes a little bit us. of heat to it, uh, isn't when you eat it? It I is. Think. It's very crunchy. Yeah. Um, it's lovely in stir fries. Um, you, you can eat it Just raw, a little literally. Bit of a t- yeah, a little yeah. bit of a tang to there it. There is indeed. Mm. Um, and, and so a it's pepperiness, so, I suppose, exactly. rather than a heat. So now is the time to sow it. You can sow it directly out of doors or you can start it indoors. That's a lovely red variety. Um, it's an Italian variety 
And again, you're generally sowing the seed now, harvesting it from a, around August, September. And it actually, the flavour gets better through the autumn, winter period as it gets colder. Chicory is one of those plants that the flavour intensifies. It's actually a lot nicer in the winter than actually in the autumn, winter sort of period than in summertime. But it's one that would add a bit of colour to uh, stir fries or salads or, as I say, you could eat it literally mm. raw. I brought you two varieties of carrot. Um, and again, we're seeing a huge trend from from listeners growing vegetables in tubs, containers, raised beds. Um, so here's a lovely variety of carrot called Ronda, which is a which is <laughs> they're a like little balls of they carrots. Are, they are. They're, they're round they're carrots. Cylindrical. Yes. Cylindrical. They're like uh, uh, yeah. Bo- literally balls of of carrots. So they're perfect for window boxes, um, raised beds, something like the veggie pod. So where you want something really really fast, so they're ready within six weeks, six seven weeks, they're ready to eat. Um, but also they take up minimal space, so they only take up literally four or five inches of soil depth so they're perfect for raised beds containers a lovely one for the kids as well to get them sowing the seed because carrot again it's a fairly large seed it's easy to sow and within a couple of weeks it germinates and and they get a sense of of the um of of the carrot plant growing on and then they can harvest it that'll be ready to harvest about the middle of may early june sort of period and i just get a sense that as carrots go uh, it's probably a quite a sweet variety it is actually it's a very good flavor it's one called ronda it's in the sutton seed family and, and it's a particularly good one. The other one I brought in was one called Sweet and Tasty and <laughs> it lives up to that name. It's a short variety, um, very, very easy to grow and again, one for raised beds, containers. Small um, spaces, I see. Exactly. Yes. So great in tunnels, greenhouses where you want to be kind of the maximum crop out of a small area and that carrot rondo as well would be suitable for people that grow in tunnels or greenhouses where you want something quick and easy and fast and kind of, um, you know, a, a good return for the space yeah. you so want to give So these are kind of it. the baby variety of carrots. They are, yeah. yeah. Rather than then, you rather can, than the big. Well, you can sow both at this time of year. Yeah. So if you want the kind of traditional one, there's one called Saint Valerie, which is an old traditional carrot. If you like that really large carrot for kind of more autumn winter use, Saint Valerie is a really good one. But those in particular, Rondo and um, that one, sweet and tasty, are are quite good. I also brought you in the plants of Swiss chard. Oh So yes. Swiss chard is again a lovely plant. It grows like rhubarb. And the stems are multicolored. So this is one called Bright Lights. And it literally <laughs> lives up to that name. Yeah. Because the colors of the stems are orange, red, pink, white, green. You get this fantastic color. Chard, you can eat both the stems and the foliage. And it tends to be a, a vegetable that you crop on a regular basis. The earlier you pick it, the sweeter it is. But it's also a very attractive plant in the garden. So if you never took a leaf or a stem from it. It actually makes a really, really uh, attractive plant. So think about rhubarb as this is kind of a miniature rhubarb type plant with the beautiful coloured stems. Again, this is one children will love. So it's, we found it particularly when we were out um, with the schools, with the veggie pod, they love this plant, Swiss chard, because it's, it's, it's kind of nearly magical and colourful and uh, unusual. So it's quite a nice variety um, and it also tastes brilliantly. It's a lovely plant. I always kind of associate it as kind of a spinachy plant, but uh, the, I suppose the, le- the leaf stem is, is a thicker stem. It is. The stem yeah. is like rhubarb, uh, but not as thick. Yeah. It's kind of pencil thin and the with chard, you know, you can, you can crop it late in the season, but ideally you pick it on a regular basis during the growing season but I like it particularly because it adds that little bit of colour mm. and it's often planted you, you'll often see it in Westport planted in the flower beds because it and they just grow there for colour colour because of the, well, the lovely stem colour so something different a little bit more unusual the plants are available okay. now in, in your local garden centre so if you if you plant them they're literally four or five inches high you'll be picking them with, again within a six or eight week period 
Are you a fan of Brussels sprouts? I love Brussels sprouts. The amount of people that dislike Brussels sprouts I would sprouts eat Brussels amazing. sprouts. I know people don't associate them with uh, Christmas, it's but I like would Marmite. eat them all year, all year. And you know what's fabulous? Go it's on. Brussels sprouts slaw, as in cold slaw with Brussels sprouts. Oh, there you go. There's one, one I'll have to, to add yeah, into the recipe I, from. I it. love Brussels well, sprouts. Well, for people that dislike Brussels sprouts, okay, okay I have a solution. There <laughs> you is don't, a, need, you know, don't need to sell me. Okay, well, well you should try this plant as <laughs> yes, well. Yes, I will. So this is a, Brus- a variety of Brussels sprout called Petit Posey. And you'll you'll see it available in your ve- in your um, in your supermarkets at the moment. It's like um, it's a, actually a cross between kale and Brussels sprouts. Okay. So it doesn't produce the ball of um, the, the typical the Brussels, roundy ball. Brussels, yeah, yeah, the roundy ball. That's a good way of describing it. <laughs> it's more like a posy. So it's an open structure, a bit like kale. So in the leaf axils, rather than producing the ball of a Brussels sprout, it actually produces like a little cluster of leaves. They're very delicate. You know how Brussels sprouts can be slow to cook? It takes for ages, or seems to take for ages to cook them <laughs> in my house anyway. Well, this is a really simple one to grow. So look for it. It's one called Petty Posy. It's available as plants at the moment. You simply plant it like you would cabbage or anything else and it'll be ready for use in August, September of this year. Um, Very mild flavour, kind of a nuttier flavour, sweeter flavour than Brussels sprouts and um, just something a bit different. So try that one. It's called, it's it's sold as a Brussels sprout called Petit Posey even though it is a cross between a kale and a Brussels sprout and it's got that more open structured um, like a little posy right. a little yes, so uh, it's not, flower posy so really it is a Brussels sprout to all intents and purposes but not as compact not as exactly oh yeah. it's very open very yeah. very open and it's got that lovely coloration of pink um, yeah, and it, does, as, it looks lovely yeah as the as the winter comes in you can pick this plant now by the way right through till February of next year so you're picking it kind of from September all the way through the winter so you pick it on a regular basis um, typically like a Brussels sprout but it's it's just completely different flavour just as easy to grow and um, and do they grow on do they grow on the long stalks it the does way, exactly yes, the same, same as the Brussels, Brussels sprout. sprout and rather than the balls being produced it produces this little posy of leaves very good for steaming or microwave mm. you can actually cook that in the microwave it's that easy to cook so it's a kind of quick speaking about kale if you like kale and particularly again for autumn use there's one a variety an Italian um, uh, variety called Nero Nero if memory serves me right, is Italian for black. So this, we call this it the, is, bl- you're right. the black kale. Um, again, a leaf crop. Again, it's one that you plant at this time of year and you can harvest it literally from six or seven weeks' time. So you're picking the young leaves for stir-fries, salads, um, you know, with a quick use because the flavour is very intense. But then you can let it grow on right through the autumn winter period and pick it as a mature leaf during the winter so this is a plant kale is one of those plants that just give, keeps on giving you can keep cropping it from literally six weeks from planting right through until next January or February so look for that one it's one called Nero it's quite a nice kind of lace leafed um, yeah it's, I suppose it, it, we, we tend to think I tend to think anyway of kale as being the curly kale uh, which would be sort of the traditional kale yep, that we're winter used to use, yeah. this looks uh, a little more like it's actually a bit looks like rocket to be honest, it is. a small bit, doesn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Yeah. The leaf, the I'm leaf only is, looking at a photograph of it. Yeah, no, no, and, and the leaf is very, very open, structured leaf, and as you say, it's it's like rocket, but and use it like rocket in stir fries, salads, um, you know, right through yeah. as a, as a leaf crop, crop, really, right through the whole season. Mm. So there were others, and we got a great response actually. I mentioned a cabbage variety called Hispe. Yes. For again, for listeners that have confined areas, so there's a variety of cabbage called Hispe. It grows in a cone shape, and it's particularly good for growing in greenhouses, tunnels, um, where you want 
kind of a constricted area or you have a constricted area, raised beds, again in your veggie pod, that's the cabbage to grow. So again, um, it takes up minimal space. It's ready within six weeks from planting. The plants are available. They're about four inches high now at the moment. And again, six weeks from now, you're actually eating that plant. So it's one that you can turn around very, very quickly. Look, there's lots more, Deirdre, that I brought in, but things like French beans and peas, um, another nice cabbage called Savoy, which is more like the kale, okay, yes. a crinkly uh, variety. And another nice vegetable for this year, one called Baby Leaf, which again is one to be used as a leaf crop, the cut and come concept. So it's a lettuce type of thing. It's a lettuce, but but you literally just cut the foliage with a, a scissors or you just peel the foliage and it continually gives right through the, the summer. So they're all available in plants at the moment or in seed. And really, I suppose the message is this is the time of year in April where you want to be, if you're thinking about growing your five a day, now is time. Strawberries should be planted at the moment as well. And people should be considering, if they're thinking of growing some early or second early potatoes, they should be doing that over the next couple of weeks because you know the time is moving on so you need to be getting potatoes into the ground we normally start the program in back in March talking about potatoes mm. um, but if you haven't planted yours just yet then now is over the next two weeks is really the time to get them in so it's really that time of year for herbs vegetables potatoes strawberries fruiting plants in general if you're thinking about some apples or pears or something like that now is the time to actually get them into the soil as the soil begins to warm up Fantastic. Pork, I'm just going to turn it. Uh, somebody has sent in a photograph, a couple of photographs actually, of a camellia. Now, mm. it's a fairly impressive looking camellia. And it sure is. I mean, there must be a hundred flowers there. There must be. <laughs> However, yeah. uh, it's from Helen and she says, can you tell me what went wrong with my camellia? Loads of beautiful flowers, which there are, but they're not opening out and they're rusting a bit. Yeah, they're frost stained. Okay. And, and uh, actually, I was looking at one of my own plants in the garden, one of the um, forest flames. Um, and, and it had come into leaf beautifully but this week it got the frost has actually burnt all the, the young growth Aww. off and now they'll be perfectly fine yeah. they'll come back again but going back to the camellias remember the camellias p- produce their flower buds by September of, of each year and they stay on the plant over the winter as they start to emerge if you get frosty nights which we've had yes. you get this brown staining it's called uh, um, f- frost browning so basically it's the frost burning the outer edges of the Camellia. Now, I mean, there's nothing wrong with the plant per se. It's just a little bit of frost damage on the flower buds. Anything that's got stained, Helen should pick those off and take them off because they're not going to improve. They're going to remain brown. But there's plenty of buds yet to come out. And as we get into, as we move into the the um, latter part of the spring, obviously the frosty nights will become less and less intense. Um, what you could do is cover it, particularly on frosty nights, with a little bit of garden fleece. Okay. And that will help to protect it. Um, and generally speaking, he- uh, camellias should be either east should be west facing ideally or north facing so they're avoiding that morning sun because when they're frozen with the frost and the sun comes on them you get that's, that's where you get, get that staining. browning of yeah. the staining of thing but the plant itself is perfectly healthy and it's actually a great specimen it looks there's fabulous loads of flowers. to be honest I'd be quite jealous if it was yeah. and or, plenty of yeah, more blooms Helen could give it a, a liquid feed so something like the ericaceous liquid feed um, which is specifically specifically for camellias yes. and rhododendrons that could be given now and keep it well watered because as camellias come into flower they use quite a lot of water um, so keep you know, water it and feed it and it'll be perfectly fine. Okay, great. Um, now, somebody is wondering, can you tell us how to take cuttings from the orange fizz geranium? Uh, okay. do, do they just pop them into compost? Yeah, it's very, very simple. So you take them pencil length, pencil thickness, strip off all the leaves, bar one at the very, very top, uh, a little bit of rooting powder, 
dip it into that and then in, in a small pot a tiny little pot mix a little bit of compost and sand or perlite and compost together to get that nice gritty mixture and in that pot you'll fit 10 or 12 of the orange fizz geranium cuttings so you can literally put them side by side cover them with a polythene bag something like a butcher's bag a white polythene bag sit it on a windowsill and within three weeks they'll have rooted and you've got yourself 12 new plants so it's a very very simple plant like all geraniums very simple to um, propagate from cuttings now uh, I'm new to gardening. What can I plant okay. in the garden now that will flower this summer and is easy to maintain? It'll be going next to a lavender bush and a rose bush that we planted last year. Okay, so probably a little bit of competition between both the lavender and the rose. Mm-hmm. The rose will be quite quite um, hungry. The plant I would actually plant is the plant I mentioned at the top of the programme, the Uriops, the yellow flowering Uriops. It would contrast beautifully with the blue flowers of the lavender. It, it's actually a plant that does well in competition. So it's actually a plant that likes that kind of gritty uh, free draining soil that lavender loves and it's a Mediterranean plant like lavender but it's got these beautiful bright yellow flowers they're actually in flower at the moment Mm -hmm. and it will stay in flower till September October the same as the lavender and the rose so that's the plant I'd pop in it's a really really simple plant to grow and again in the autumn the listener could try taking a few cuttings from the Uriops and and overwinter it as well Um, but yeah that's the plant to to go for there are plenty of other plants as well some of the summer flowering hydrangeas particularly the paniculata varieties like bobo is a quite short dwarf variety mm. white flowers or vanilla freeze has lovely pink and uh, white and kind of pink flowers through the summer as well but for me the uriops would contrast beautifully with the lavender and and the rose so That's stick with that it's easy simple excellent and, and tons of color okay now we're kind of do a, doing a follow-on here with a question pork from last week okay um so person who was in contact with us regarding the copper cherry blossom tree if you recall oh, I it do, was yeah. a columnar shape and yeah. they wanted to start spreading side branches yeah, yeah, yeah. okay so thanks for the advice first of all Great. um the i suppose just the follow-up is that the branches have lovely flowers on them now ready to bloom so if we cut them uh, we'll lose the best part of the tree so i suppose can they cut back the branches after the flowers finish or is now really the only time to do it? no no you can if you if you wish to leave them until it it, uh, all the flowers have faded you can certainly cut back your cherry and and that would be the right time to, to cut the cherry back what you will find this is a variety called royal burgundy and the listener was last week was telling us that it was very columnar not filling out it didn't have that typical lollipop pop shape and my advice was to trim the tops of them back. What you will find, and you could just take a closer look at the branches, is that generally for the last eight inches, two feet, you, you don't get flowers on the cherries generally up that high because that's the young growth from mm-hmm. last year. Now, if there are flower buds there, that's fine. Leave it alone. Prune it after flowering. Okay. But take a closer look and if it's only growth buds, then you can prune it now safely. Cut back to where the flowers start, I suppose, is what I'm saying. And that'll encourage the plant to fill out. And remember, when we pl- prune shrubs, we feed them. So, straight after after cutting it back, feed it and that'll help to thicken it out. Okay, brilliant. Uh, now, uh, we're going to stay with the cherries. My lovely weeping cherry tree has gone brown on one side. Is it wind damaged? Uh, this is the time of the year when it was in full bloom. Now there are flowers on one side only and Tom is wondering, can it be revived? Well, for this year, Tom, I mean, it, wind damage will cause typically that where you get on the on the windward side, the browning and, and damaging because the young leaves of cherries are very sensitive to wind and, and the flower buds are sensitive to wind and we've had kind of that windy, cold weather. So 
Look, the tree itself will only, it's only a short setback. It's not going to flower on that side this year. It will come back into leaf on that side. So Tom, again, should give the tree a really good feed. I would consider maybe next autumn moving that tree somewhere else. Okay. If it, because it's obviously know, in a spot It's in a spot that's catching the wind and, and weeping cherries will be susceptible to, to late wind, cold weather um, during late March, April. So maybe consider when it goes out of leaf, Tom, next October, mm-hmm. November, dig it up, transplant it somewhere else from a more sheltered spot and it will do better for you. Because in a windy spot you tend to find that the tree will grow all on the on the uh, lee side of the wind. So it'll always have that kind of bareness and unbalanced shape. And on a weeping cherry it that stands out. Yeah. So I think maybe next autumn lift it. For this year, feed it, encourage it back into growth. Uh, it'll flower on one side, lift it then in the autumn and transplant it to a more sheltered spot. And do a little pruning on it as well after flowering because that'll help to, to balance up the shape of it as well. Excellent. Now, I've got a house plant. I think it's called Mother-in-Law's Tongue. Yeah. Uh, well, I repotted the same and now it's quite droopy. Okay. Uh, what help can I give it to put her shoulders up again? <laughs> so, this is the Mother-in-Law's okay. Tongue. It's a yeah. plant we often speak about. It's, mm-hmm. it's probably, I think it has to be the easiest. It and the money tree are the two easiest plants to grow. I, I stuck one. Of, I stuck both of them into my shed, my garage, uh, last year. Uh-huh. I forgot about them. Right. Right. And about two months later, I went back in. No water, very little light, and the two plants were doing beautifully. Okay. Bomb, so bomb it away. these are plants that thrive on neglect. Okay. I often say with the mother-in-law's tongue, you you water it no more than once a month, and you repot it every five years. Okay. Okay. So this listener has moved it on into a larger pot, and. The plant is failing because it's got too much room, it's too wet, it's got too much space. It hasn't got the neglect. <laughs> it the requires. neglect factor, okay. Yeah. So this is a plant that you literally, as I say, you water once a month, you, you repot it every five years. So because it has been repotted, mm. the compost around it is going to be very loose. It's very easy for that to get very moist. And, and typically mother-in-law's tongue will start to droop. The, the sword-like leaves will start to fall over and the, they start to rot, particularly if they get too much moisture. So cut back on the watering, put it into a really bright location indoors in a bright windowsill, ideally centrally heated. That'll help to dry up the compost and get back to, to watering no more than once a month. So nearly try to dehydrate it. Dehydrate it, absolutely. It's a plant that thrives on neglect. Um, and I'm not just saying that because yeah. it's mother-in-law's tongue, but it's a plant that thrives on neglect. So it really is a plant you water no more than once a month. The, the biggest killer of it is overwatering and repotting too early, moving into too big of a pot. It gets too wet, the roots start to rot, and it just keels over. I mean, it's a plant you should have for 20, 30 years. Right. It's a really, really simple plant to grow. Okay, um, and it is quite, it's quite a stunning plant in it. Oh, it's a lovely it, plant. You know, and it's, it, it, they, I suppose the leaves, is it the leaves? The leaves, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they do stand up very tall. Yeah, absolutely, very yeah. erect, very strong and, and they come from underneath the soil and literally you shouldn't re- be, repot it until like when I was a student the, we grew them in, in terracotta pots and we wouldn't repot them until the pot broke Right. <laughs> so that'll tell you because the, the, the underground stems would, would come up and push the pot and eventually break the pot now in plastic pots that doesn't happen they become distorted but literally you leave it until I mean I'm saying repot every five years if you repot it even every eight years it would be still perfectly enough. fine yeah yeah. so it's a plant that thrives on neglect really easy to grow and it's a great house plant so if people want a really easy plant, house plant to start off with 
there's one to get. Okay. Mother-in-law's tongue. And just not Sansevieria is, is the botanical name. Or look for the money tree or the lucky tree as well. Another really simple, simple plant to grow. Now, is it too late to sow lavender seeds? I tied a bunch of stems and suspended them downwards in a brown bag with Great. some holes for air. Excellent. They're very dry now. Also, do I really need to separate seeds from flowers or can I just plant what's come free? Yeah, so you can just literally plant uh, what... Ideally, what you could do is empty... So the listener did exactly the right thing. So they obviously harvested the flowers last summer they, they, they hung them upside down into a, a brown paper bag and that really just allows the seeds to fall into the bag now you'll always get a few flowers with that as well the lavender seed is quite dark in colour and if you can put it into a maybe a, a small bowl and just see can you separate a little bit more of it or put it through a sieve and see can you separate the, the, the uh, seeds out mm. but having said that if you're mixing seeds and a little bit of withered flour that's perfectly fine now is the time to sow them start them off indoors in a good quality compost mix some perlite or vermiculite through the compost as well and um, have the compost moist but not too wet sow the seeds thinly over the surface cover with cling film and leave on a bright windowsill ideally a windowsill where you've got a radiator underneath because they need a minimum of 21 degrees Celsius for for lavender to germinate so outside temperatures around 15 at the moment 10 to 15 our homes are lovely and warm so it's the perfect conditions it takes about three weeks for lavender to germinate mm-hmm. so be patient with it and the plants will start off small there's no need to remove the cling film until you actually see the seeds germinating and that'll take about a three week period and then when they're about five or six inches high, they're perfectly hardy to plant outside. Give them a light trimming back that'll help to think, thicken them out. And uh, you can make a little lavender hedge or lavender area. Now, do remember they are Mediterranean plants. They require full sun out of doors and they need a really, really free draining soil. That's important. So plenty of grit gravel into the soil when you're planting them. Okay. Or great in pots and containers as well. But lovely that they're, they've been harvested and ready oh, to go Oh, from seed again. and yeah. sow from them from well, seed yeah, again. Yeah, them. absolutely. And you've got up to June to sow. And generally from February to June is a sort of sowing period for lavender. Yeah, it's lovely. I have a little bit of a lavender hedge in it. It's, ah, it's great. I, I it's, a it's a lovely plant. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's a lovely great. plant. And so easy to grow once the soil conditions... Yeah, I, I'm not doing anything too special to it Well, anyway. you see, again, dear, there's a plant like lavender thrives again on... It needs that kind of really impoverished soil so it's actually a plant that, that requires a little bit of trimming once a year but that's it that's it too much care actually kills that plant off as well and it is frost hardy but in Ireland particularly in the west of Ireland mm. the biggest killer of lavender is, is just the rain and the, and the water yeah 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 now, uh, I treated my lawn for moss great. in March Excellent. and this has worked great. My husband <clears throat> is a farmer and wants to put some 10, 10, 20 oh, on man. the lawn good now man. that the moss is dead. Is this okay? <laughs> <laughs> How do we answer this delicately? <laughs> well, so, well, so, look at 10, 10, 20 is an agricultural fertiliser. It's designed to make agricultural grass grow. If you want silage and you want something very vigorous, then 10, 10, 20 is the perfect uh, option for lawns you want the absolute reverse you want a slow release fertilizer so you want to green your lawn without forcing growth so you want a slow release so my advice is really get yourself a bag of proper lawn fertilizer 10 10 20 will just drive the the grass mad yeah. and require extra trimming and it actually makes it very Back. come along to homeland plus sligo this sunday doors open at 12 noon we have the irish gardener peter dowdall speaking on easy spring color for your garden simple container spring color easy tips to improve your lawn and grow your own and Anne McKeown touching on landscape design and inspiration see you at Homeland Plus Sligo this Sunday now you're very uh, welcome back um 
Uh, Ellie is wondering, uh, Porik, do you have the same Valerie carrots in plants or seeds in the Sligo we store? Have them, well, we have them in seed, yeah. And, and um, so St. Valerie, that's the variety I've ma- mentioned. So that's an autumn variety, kind of late summer autumn. You sow it from seed at this time of year. It's in the Thompson and Morgan and the Sutton's range. Um, yeah, so pop into the, lo- into the garden centre in Sligo, they'll have it. And I'm still thinking of those, uh, the, the, the carrots that we were Go talking on. about there, the seeds. I struck there. a chord there with yeah, you, Yeah, I, I just I? think the, ra- the, little, the little round Rondo. ball of carrots. Rondo, yeah. Rondo. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, also a town in Spain of memory stars but I was thinking when we were you talking about those like they'd be ideal for planting in the veggie pod oh they'd be perfect yeah so the veggie pod is the units in mm. we, we went to Craig Moore and actually uh, just thanks to Joe he sent me a beautiful letter during the week about uh, about the veggie pods so we planted that up in Craig Moore last last week and um, I, I suppose th- that's it in, in restricted areas like the veggie pod or raised beds you want crops that are going to you sow them and they're, they're ready to pick within a six or seven week period. Um, so Rhonda would be ideal. The the, um, the the baby variety that I mentioned, uh, the sweet and tasty would be perfect as well. Early Nantes is a variety as well that, that uh, produces its carrots very, very quickly. St. Val- Valerie should be planted out of doors. A lot of the speedy veg, Deirdre, would be ideal as well in the veggie pod. You know, those that you sow from seed, like mm-hmm. these guys, mm-hmm. and then you just cut you cut the foliage as you use them um, so that that's really the way to grow them so use the veggie pod really for plants that are going to mature, mature quickly, quickly. yes yeah, strawberries would be ideal herbs would be perfect as well yeah. um, and I suppose things that are of smaller you know that are going to yield slightly smaller varieties like those exactly. carrots because Radish. Uh, the bigger ones are going, obviously going to take up more space it's going to take more and, yeah. and more time as yeah. well and, and you, d- depth and all that kind of exactly. stuff exactly yeah. and so you need to be repeating things that will repeat very quickly or they can, you can literally just peel and use and used on a regular basis I think that's really really, really the ideal things to be using Okay um, somebody's wondering um, three apple trees poor except last November the skin of the bark is coming off why is this? Okay so that's canker Canker, okay. bacterial canker, which is a disease of apple trees. Uh, pears can get it as well. We tend to see a good bit of it in the west of Ireland and it's it's spread a little bit by, like blight. It's spread by um, moist air spores um, and can enter the cut. When you cut an apple tree, it can enter those wounds. Now, depending where it is on the apple tree, if it's on a branch, you simply just cut back beneath where that canker, where that kind of peeling surface. So basically what happens is it takes away the outer skin of the plant, takes the cambium layer away from the stem. It eats all the cells and literally that piece of stem dies. Uh, So if it's on a branch, then there's no problem. Just prune it back just beneath that point. Give it a good feed, particularly a high potash feed like a rose feed is very good for apples. It helps to prevent that. And also you should treat the, um, you can treat the apple tree with a thing called fungus clear, which Mm -hmm. is counteracts any bacterial diseases um, so that'll help to protect it as well so do keep an eye on it canker is very common in apple trees it's one that you just prune out when it's present and does it spread from tree to tree it does absolutely right. just like blight it can spread from one orchard to another from a tree to a tree some varieties like Bramley seedling are a little bit more susceptible to it than others um, so you know there are varieties that, that are more resilient to sure. it but it is very common now it's very seldom it actually kills a tree completely yeah. because it's a matter of just pruning out anything that's affected every couple of years yeah. and high potash fertiliser helps to pre- prevent it but also the, using the treatment like fungus clear helps to present any, 
prevention of diseases okay. on apples as well. Okay, just want to acknowledge uh, to listeners that I understand we may have a little bit of a difficulty with uh, some of our texts this morning. Uh, I've just been made aware that uh, they mightn't be, have been coming in for the last 20 minutes. So if people uh, can send us via WhatsApp, then that will probably be the best. Uh, so apologies if we're just uh, not getting to your question. We are having a small technical difficulty, but I think getting resolved as I speak. Uh, we've lots to keep us going though, Porg. A lily plant in a pot, how do we look after it? Well, many lilies were sown. I brought one in for Mother's Day, I think, last week. So many of them are, are actually forced into flower at this time of year and, and are fantastic indoors because they're highly scented. So keep if it's in flower, keep it inside for another three to four weeks until it finishes bloom and then plant it literally outside. Now, lilies like a bright, sunny location, free-draining soil. They come back year after year. So pick a location, you know, somewhere bright, sunny, a flower border, a shrub border, plant it out of doors anytime from the end of April onwards and it'll come back next year, but it will flower later. So it'll be kind of June and July of, of the following season before it comes into bloom. I often advise putting down a little bit of sand or gravel when you're planting lilies because they like to be, they're a very fleshy bulb, so they like to be kept up off the wet soil as well. So a little bit of uh, sand or or pebbles dug into the soil before planting. But they're easy, easy to grow. And I know, like, I mean, I know there's a million different varieties of lilies, um, but do they come back year after year oh, as well? Do. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, do they have kind of a, a life? Uh, yeah, they're not, they're not as long-lived as, yeah. say, daffodils or some of the others, simply because of the fleshy bulb. Now, the calla lily and the, the white lily will yes. come back year after year, and it's so easy to grow. Zendishi, it's a, it's a different, completely different variety. But the oriental lilies, they, they're a very fleshy bulb when you buy them. If you put them into sand or gravel, you tend to add to their longevity and, and the bulbs build up stronger. Um, but you'll get many years from, from... So varieties like Stargazer is quite a good one. It's a nice pink one. Or the Regal Lily, which is a lovely white scented lily as well, is good to grow. But there's lots of great varieties, all different colours. Um, and, and you can plant the bulbs now or you can literally plant the plants. Perfect. Climbing rose planted against an, a north-facing wall leaves okay. a curling up. Uh, <clears throat> can I take it up now and pot it or prune it now? When was it planted, I wonder? Don't, don't say. Don't say they're curling right. up. No. Yeah, well, look, at north-facing is not the ideal location. Roses need full sun, so west-facing, south-facing is really the location for a rose. We did have a question last week about an, an east-facing wall, mm-hmm. and I mentioned a variety called Handel, which tends to do better in, in uh, shaded areas. I would lift that rose. If it was planted, say, in the last year, then you lift it even now, even that it has come into leaf, I would transplant it at the moment. If it has been planted for several years, then leave it till next autumn. So let it suffer on this year. Um, dig it up next autumn in October, November. Roses transplant very, very easily and tr- and plant it somewhere else in a brighter, sunnier location. It really requires sun. The more the more north-facing, the wetter the leaves are going to be, be, the more disease you're going to get on them. And it's going to be that battle, continual battle. And also it's not going to flower well for you. So... Give it a sunnier location. Okay. Um, sorry, I'm not sure if somebody is giving us... It was... Uh, no, sorry, a different question. Apologies. <laughs> uh, how, do, how do we grow celery? Celery, well, it's, it's actually... Well, first of all, it's frost sensitive. So don't be tempted to plant celery out of doors until May um, is, is early enough. Uh, so you can sow it from seed. 
or so you can sow from seed indoors at this time of year so again like I mentioned about the lavender it's a simple tray you sow the seed cover with cling film allow them to germinate and keep them indoors for the next three or four weeks under the risk of frost pass plants will be available from the first week of May so you can pop into your local garden centre and get some celery plants um, now they're very very simple to grow you plant them like you would any other vegetable in a, in a raised bed order. it's not one for your veggie pot or for your ra- for, for um, you know mm. for containers yes. because it's it's a long term you're using celery really autumn, winter, kind of spring period. Now, as it's growing, it needs to be blanched. So if you want that lovely white stemmed, normally celery has a, a green stem, but when you buy it in the shops, it's got this lovely white stem. Mm. And that's because it's blanched, which is a process of actually covering the stems with a little bit of cardboard or with a plastic, say, something like a downpipe. You put around the, you exclude the light effectively from the stems. And that creates this beautiful white stem that tends to be more succulent. So simply sow it from seed or plants. Let it grow from May onwards, continue to water it and feed it. And then around September, simply put a little bit of cardboard around the base of the stems leave it on for about a month or six weeks and it'll blanch the the Beautiful. stems to a lovely white. And you can use them anytime from September, October onwards. Yeah, it's a very, very easy vegetable to, to grow. To grow. I, I, I it's love lovely. it. It's very, very versatile. Yeah, yeah you can do stews all kinds of and all of that. It's kind of a, a winter winter vegetable we, we kind of associate celery with. Uh, now, um, Miriam has an amaryllis and it has just withered after blooming. Oh, what should I do with the bulb now? Will it bloom again next year? Yes, it will. So what you do, so amaryllis is that really big bulb that you buy in your local garden centre, generally in autumn, Christmas sort of period it resembles a small turnip and you simply put it in a pot it has been flowering obviously it produces beautiful big um, stunning flowers as any bulb as it starts fades it goes out of flower the leaves elongate they get longer so the listener should continue to water and feed the plant for another four to five weeks and then stop watering and let the plant die back to nothing like a typical daffodil bulb. So feed it for the next four, five weeks uh, with a liquid feed every fortnight. Keep it watered, let it grow on, which it will, and then stop watering. So around the middle of May, towards the end of May, stop watering, neglect it, and then repot it next autumn again and hey presto it's back it's into flower and it gets better and better each year so it's well worth looking after and holding on to it. Okay, somebody's wondering about garden design, Porrick. Well, it, what, what, is, that a, is that a service you guys yeah, provide? Well, what I normally recommend if people want some advice on their garden to take some pictures and bring them into us, in, in particularly in our store in Turlock, we'll go through some design options with them. I'm generally there on a Saturday afternoon, so if people want to pop up in even this Saturday, take some photographs. That's really my advice. Phone photographs are perfectly fine. Bring them in, and I'll go through some design options with them. Great. I've just been informed. Texts back in action and a big uh, gurmila mahagat to me all, I think, on that front. Um, right. We'll get through as many as we can over the next couple of minutes. Um, I have an orchid that has been amazing for the last couple of years, laden with flowers, but recently it has lost all its leaves. Um, I feed it regularly with uh, and do leaf spray. It's very pop bound. Should I repot it? Yes. So it suffers. So orchids are epiphytes. They normally live in jungles. They feed. They, they live literally in trees, and and te- their roots tend to be v- very much on the surface of the branches. They need to be close to air. Now. Orchids need repotting generally every three years and you need to go to your local garden centre and get a specialised 
orchid compost. So don't use the, the traditional, yeah. yeah, regular compost. Get a specific orchid compost. Um, repot it. Cut back some of those damaged foliage. Cut back the stems. Start to liquid feed it then after potting. And again, there's a specific orchid feed for orchids. Um, so use that every fortnight during the, the summer period. It'll come back into growth again and it'll be spectacular next Christmas January, February of next year. So they're actually very, very easy to grow. They have a bad name for being difficult, but orchids are simple to grow. But you do need that specialised compost. It's a bit like the mother-in-law's tongue. Mm. Too much care, too much of the wrong compost, and the plant literally goes back. So it needs that special orchid compost, liquid feeding with an orchid feed during the summer and repotting every three years. Okay. I've lots of cuttings uh, planted in pots since last September. Now they're growing well uh, with the shoots. Can I repot them separately now and what compost should I use? So a multi-purpose garden compost. You could add a little bit of slow-release fertiliser to that. So get yourself a standard bag of compost, some slow-release fertiliser, mix the two together in a barrow or a bucket. Separate the cuttings. You can literally pull them apart, even if they're they're rooted together literally you can be quite destructive with them and take them apart pot them up into single small individual pots depending what they are if they're shrubs and hardy then you leave them outdoors let them grow on in the pots for several weeks maybe you know up to two months and then plant them out where you want them to flower it's a good idea with most of the cuttings as well to trim them back lightly that new growth trim it back slightly to get the plant to bush out and thicken out okay great um is it too late to cut white thorn hedge it started to grow it was set last year and cut very low it has done good so just not sure how to cut it now yeah no no if it's kicking back into growth now white thorn has really only come into growth in the last couple of weeks so there wouldn't be any significant growth on it just yet but definitely all hedges need to be trimmed back as soon as they kick into growth give them a light trimming back when we prune a branch when we cut a branch you're literally multiplying the number of stems it's going to produce so by cutting it back from one single stem you're going to encourage at least two to three new stems so white thorn I would leave it another maybe two weeks three weeks let it grow on a little bit more give it a bit of feed to boost it on and then in two or three weeks time give it a light trimming back only taking maybe half an inch mm. to an inch off the top of it that's enough to get it to tiller out and thicken out and form a really nice dense hedge and white thorn when it's trimmed regularly is one of the nicest hedges of all it really is uh, how do I thicken up a one year spindly cherry tree will I cut off the top bud and side ones yes Yes. Now, like okay. the, like the, our listener with the Royal Burgundy, yeah. if you want to let it, it may, there may be a few flowers on and you can leave it till after flowering. But trees in general, and I said this, when, when you're purchasing a, a tree in your local garden centre, ask the guys to prune it back for you before bringing it home. That's very important. You need to train the trees from a very small, young age um, to get them to thicken out and have the correct shape. So that's important. Now, I live in a coastal area. Hydrangeas had lots of new leaves, but the storm really damaged the leaves. Will it recover? They'll and be put fine. Full They'll be perfectly fine. Any bit of leaf damage on plants, or no more than my Pieris, um, the, the, the forest flame being damaged the leaves, they'll come back again. So the wind of the frost has that. We've had such early growth, you see, and yeah. then we get a bit of cold bit of weather. Pause. It just sets yeah. things back a small yeah. bit. Give the plant a feed, it'll be perfectly okay. Now, probably finish up maybe well, on this one. Remember we have Facebook Live uh, okay, as well. Yeah, we're not finished yet. We have yeah, one more question and then we can talk about <laughs> Facebook Live. You spoke last uh, week Boric, uh, about the Japanese and the Chinese wisteria. I did. How will I know which type I have? I planted in its, it planted it's in my grandmother's garden for okay. the past 40 years. It's Whoa. covered in buds this yes, year. Really looking forward to the flowers this April. Should I prune it now? 
No, no. A couple yes. of so look, it's, in there. Okay. So it's coming into flower, so leave it alone. Let it flower. Um, they're absolutely going to be uh, beautiful this year, Wisteria. So there's two varieties. We chatted about this last mm. week. There's the Chinese variety, which is uh, Wisteria sinensis. comes to us from China. And there's the Japanese variety called Floribunda, which literally means many flowers. So how do we differentiate? Okay, so the Japanese variety, the stems grow clockwise. So it's a, it's a trailing plant or a climbing plant. So they actually wrap themselves round in a clockwise. Okay. Uh, right? So if mm-hmm. you look at the plant, mm-hmm. if you look at the stem of the plant, whatever it's growing on, an arch or whatever, it literally goes round clockwise. Okay? That's the Japanese variety. Um, Wisteria sinensis, which come to us from China, grows. The anti-clockwise. Anti-clockwise. <laughs> Because other than that, they're I'd very, be a long time guessing they're that very diffi- diffi- difficult to um, identify. So, but that's okay. the simple way. Japanese goes clockwise. Um, uh, Sinensis, the Chinese variety, grows anti-clockwise. Okay, and that's the easiest way to identify both. Beautiful. And the, and the trimming. Sorry, the trimming with, with wisteria and with all spring flowering plants is done immediately after flowering. So plants like forsythii, wisteria, all those plants, the cherries that we mentioned, the pruning happens immediately after flowering. Yeah. So that's so leave, leave So what, touch nothing because touch you'll nothing, have no flowers. Enjoy the colour yeah. and then after that. Now if there's a bit of whippy growth and you want to kind of trim it and give it tidy it up, you can certainly prune the whippy growth on wisteria because a bit like the cherries, that top growth doesn't necessarily contain flowers. Okay. So if you want to you tidy it up because you see the flowers better then if it gets a small bit of a tidy up. Facebook Live? Yeah, you can join me. So any of the questions we didn't get to today... Which are lots. Yeah, so I'm going to answer those on Facebook Live on the Midwest Radio. So go on to Midwest Radio Facebook page. You'll see me just after five past ten. I'll be there and I'll answer any questions. And you can post a couple of questions on the Facebook Live page as well. That's great, Porik. Thanks indeed. Not at all. You're very welcome. Do stand by. Michael Neary is coming your way next here on Midwest Radio uh, with Country Classics right after the news at 10 with Teresa O'Malley from Meteor Kelly. Good morning to you. Yeah.